All right, we are in a series, a wisdom series right now. We have been preaching through uh, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, and Lord willing, we'll do one more on uh, the book of Job next week. Uh, and the Bible has these books in the scripture for us to learn how to live well. They're, they're written for us so that we can, can learn the skill of living our lives well. And so uh, last week I talked about living well through contentment and enjoying the good gifts of God that God has given you. Instead of focusing on what you don't have and being con- discontent with what you, what you do have, learn to be content. Live well by being content and enjoying the good gifts in life that God has graciously provided you and I with. And this week, I, you know, I, I thought it would be fitting for us to focus on the topic of the fear of the Lord because the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is a theme that is all over the book of uh, Proverbs and it's mentioned a few times here in the book of Ecclesiastes. And, and this idea of the fear of the Lord is foundational for you and I if we're going to learn to live well. As Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the very foundation. It's the starting point for you and I learning how to live our lives well. So this morning, I want to look at three passages in Ecclesiastes, and then we're going to kind of go all over through the wisdom literature. Uh, so I'm going to take this topical, so, so bear with me. I'll have some of the scriptures up on the screen here today, but we're going to look at this topic called the fear of the Lord. We're going to look at what it is, what is the fear of the Lord, why we should fear the Lord, and then what are some ways that we can fear, how can we cultivate a fear of the Lord in our lives? Well, when I was a, a little kid, I, I learned a few lessons about, one of them was about electricity. Uh, I was playing with a, some object And I discovered that if you put that object in the light socket, you will get shocked. And so as a little child, I learned a lesson about respecting electricity. Electricity has power. I've also learned lessons about fire and and hot things like the tailpipe of a motorcycle or or a stove and and heat. And, And I've come to learn to respect fire. And have a healthy respect for fire and heat because it doesn't feel good having blisters and having your skin burned, right? And there's many things like that in life that we learn to have a healthy respect for. And we want to teach our children to have a healthy respect for certain things in life for their own good. So that they don't damage themselves or others by not having a healthy respect for those things. And the Bible talks about us having a healthy respect for God. It's called the fear of the Lord. And it's more than just having a healthy respect for God. It is having a reverential all of who he is. And even at times having a dread, having this being, being like terrified. The Bible talks about that being terrified, being, having the fear of of the Lord. Now, I think there's a healthy way to fear God and, and, and live in that, and I think there's an unhealthy way, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But in the Old and New Testament, we are told to fear God. The fear of the Lord is something the Bible teaches us all throughout Scripture, and it's something as, as parents we want to train our kids 
to, to do. So last week we talked about living well through contentment, enjoying the good gifts of life. And this, this message is on the fear of the Lord. And some might think the fear of God and enjoying God and the good gifts of God in life are, are incompatible with one another, but they're really not. They go together. They go together. Uh, Proverbs 19.23 says that the fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it abides in satisfaction. Abides in satisfaction. So your satisfaction and your reverence and fear for God don't have to be incompatible with one another. Here's where we're going today. We are to fear the Lord because he is holy, because he is the holy and just king of all creation. We are to fear the Lord because he is the holy and just king of all creation. So what, what is the fear of the Lord? So let's just look at, first of all, what is it? Let's talk a little bit about what it is, and then we'll, we'll, we'll expound a little bit on why we should fear God. Fear, the fear of the Lord is taking God seriously by having a right estimation of who he is. Taking God seriously by having a right estimation of who he is. Okay, this is, this is important for us in, in our church and in our church culture to get this. Because we have a very laid-back, casual church culture, and I like that. I like that there is a come-as-you-are atmosphere here at City Church International. No matter who you are, you are welcome here. And there are a lot of churches that are tending to, to move in that direction. They're, they're trying to be more outreaching. They're, they're, trying, uh, they're maybe re, re, reacting some to some of the crusty, religious, legalistic kind of church atmospheres, but I'm concerned that some of us have taken a swing way too far the other way, and we become so casual with God. And when we come to church and so casual in our approach to God that we see Jesus as just our buddy, as one of us, my my buddy Jesus, my friend, like he's down at our level in in the sense that, that, that we shouldn't have a healthy reverence and fear for God. And so I think this message is good for us. This is good for me to think about this. That, that when we come to church, we should approach God with a sense of awe and wonder and a holy fear of who He is in our prayer times. In our, in our time, as we spend time with God in our homes, we should approach God with the posture of reverence that we are coming before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Imagine if you had a breakfast um, appointment with with a, a ruler of of, of a nation, uh, say China. Okay, we got some 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 Asian ladies here today. Uh, say you had a, a breakfast, a brunch with with the, the president of China, and just think, would you walk into that brunch? Just you didn't do your hair. All right. You didn't put on your nice clothes. You didn't brush your teeth. If you're a guy, you didn't shave or whatever. And you just walked in and you're just kind of, what's up? Hey, I saw you on TV. I know who you are. Selfie. Come on. Right. You wouldn't treat a president, somebody with that kind of authority and respect and power and wealth, you wouldn't treat somebody like that so casual, would you? 
Because there should be within us, naturally, a, a respect for the position that they hold, the authority that they hold, the power that they hold. And so we should approach them on their terms. We need to figure out if we're going to have, have a brunch with a president of, of a nation or some some person in authority, we need to know what their terms are. We need to be prepared to approach them, right? Like, do I shake their hand or not? Do I give them, do I give them a kiss on the cheek or not? Or like, what do I do? When I go to this breakfast, do I bring a gift? Do I, do I not say anything at all? Do I, you know, what do I do? How do I, what, what kind of etiquette do I need to have? Do I just start scarfing down right away? You know, we need to learn to approach God on his terms. And one of the ways the Bible teaches us to come to God in worship and prayer is to come with a, with a holy sense of fear and awe of who he is. Because he is a holy God. He is the sovereign Lord, the king of kings, the creator of everything. And so we should approach him in this sense of awe. Now, the, the Bible also in the book of Psalms calls us to come before God with exuberant joy and clapping and shouting and dancing and rejoicing. And those two are compatible with one another. They don't have to be incompatible. You can, you can rejoice and have boldness and joy and delight in your approach to God. But then you also need to have a, a reverence and a bowing and an awe of who he is. And that's biblical worship. Those are, those are some ways that the Bible teaches us to approach God. Okay, so the fear of the Lord is taking God seriously by having the right estimation of who he is. The fear of the Lord is living your life with an awareness that God is everywhere and he sees everything. I mean, imagine how you would drive on your way to work if you drove to work with the awareness that God was watching you. You wouldn't be going 20 miles per hour over the speed limit. And you wouldn't be cutting people off, giving people the finger. Hopefully, if you're a Christian, you're not doing that anyways. All right? You wouldn't be holding grudges at people, like that, calling them names while you're driving down the road. Because God is there watching you. He sees. He sees. And so the fear of the Lord is living our lives with that awareness, that consciousness. God's here, and he sees me. And so that should motivate us to holy, godly living that honors him. You see, the fear of the Lord has gotten a bad rap. It's not too popular. Actually, uh, I didn't find a lot of books on this, this topic. But I did find a couple, and I bought one and just enjoyed reading one of them even last night. My Jerry Bridges called The Joy of Fearing the Lord. And, and that's a book I recommend to you on this topic. John Murray says this, and this is a quote that I got from Jerry Bridges' book from John Murray. He says that the fear of God, the fear of God in which godliness consists is the fear which contains, compels, or powerfully produces adoration and love. It is the fear which consists in all reverence, honor, worship, and all of these on the highest level of exercise. It is the reflex in our consciousness of the transcendent majesty and holiness of God. Now, I know I just said a mouthful. That's not like super glue. It's not going to stick quick with us. I, I think that's, that's, that's something to chew on there. But, but basically what, what this is saying is that the fear of God is a reflex and a response to the greatness of who God is. 
to the weight of who God is. In other words, it's taking God seriously by having a right estimation of who he is, which causes an attitude of reverence to arise from us, which causes actions that, are, that display reverence for who God is. So that's, that's a description for what the fear of the Lord is. Now let's look at... Um, Let's look at why. Why should we fear God? And, and the first verse we're going to look at is Ecclesiastes 3:14 and 15. Ecclesiastes 3:14 and 15 says, "I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. For God has done it, so that people fear before Him. That that which is already has been, and that which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away." So this verse tells us here that, that, that we are to fear God because, because what he has done, nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken from it. In other words, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. God is in charge. You, you're not in charge of this universe. I'm not in charge. A president of the United States or another country is not in charge. God is in charge. And that is one of the reasons why we should fear him, because he's in charge of, of human history. He's in charge of creation. He created everything and he sustains everything by the word of his power. He's sovereign. And so we should fear him. We should have a healthy reverence for who he is. And by the way, if, if, if you're here today and you're somebody who struggles with all kinds of unhealthy fears, like fear of man, fear of evil, Fear of death, uh, fear of failure, fear, and the list goes on and on. And you struggle with, with these other fears. The fear of the Lord can actually counteract those fears and help you get delivered from fear of man, fear of evil, fear of death. You see, when we, we come to a place when we fear God, the one who's in charge of everything, it frees us up not to be captives of fear to everything, everything else besides God. When we come to fear God because he's sovereign and he's in charge and we recognize that, it also frees us up to enjoy life, to rest, to go to sleep at night knowing that he got the whole world in his hands. <laughs> you and I don't. He got the little children in his hands. He's holding us, sustaining us. Ecclesiastes seven thirteen and 14 says, Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider God has made, both, has made one as well as the other, so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. In other words, God's sovereign. God's in charge. There's good times and there's bad times that comes our way. And you know what? God's in sovereign over that. And we should fear him. And we should recognize that he's in charge. Through our, through our good times and through our bad times. So he's sovereign. So that is a reason to fear him. That's a reason not to fear, fear man. Jesus said, do not fear those who can kill the body, but fear God who can kill the body. And then what? Cast the soul into hell. So the fear of God counteracts the fear of man and the fear of death. Y'all tracking with me? 
So second reason we should fear God, Ecclesiastes 5. So there's, there's, there's three key passages here that, that touch on the fear of the Lord in Ecclesiastes. And so one's the, the, uh, Ecclesiastes 3. The next one is Ecclesiastes 5. And, and in this passage, we, we see that we're to fear God because he is holy. Listen to this. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near, to listen, is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Let me just just pause there. God is, just let that sink in. God is in heaven. You're here on earth. Okay, we're like like little ants. And just think about looking down at a little ant pile. Like we're... When, when we get a proper estimation of God's greatness, our Father in heaven, Jesus taught us to pray, hallowed be your name. Jesus taught us to approach God the Father like this, approaching him as the Holy One who is over all, who, who is in heaven. He's in heaven. You're, you're on earth, and so let your words be few. This is, this is one of the ways that we can express the fear of God. Some of us need to let the fear of God lead us to, to shut our mouths at certain times and not say certain things, things that we shouldn't say, and have a holy sense of awe and hush. Yeah, my, my son just reminded me of a word that he can't say. Thank you, Carson, for telling me that. That's right. For a dream comes with much busyness and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay in paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you, oh, what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than you should vow and not pay. Let your mouth not lead you into sin. Do not say before the messenger, that was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. Okay, that's... That's, that's the big idea of this little section here in Ecclesiastes. God is the one you must fear. Therefore, when you go to church, when you go to the house of God, guard your steps. Don't just walk in flippantly and be like, hey, hey, what's up? Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and make commitments to God or to others that you really don't mean. To say things that you really don't mean. To have a, an expression of worship that you really don't mean. You see, God wants worship from our heart. You see, we can, we can sing and worship and, and give and, and serve, and we can do all those things and that worship be in vain. Jesus quoted Matthew 15. He quoted Isaiah. He said, uh, these, these are those who worship, uh, who draw near with their lips, uh, but their hearts are far, far from me, and they worship me in vain. So we could actually go to church and do our religious stuff and it be in vain. And actually, we could, we could go to church and do what we think we're supposed to do and go home be, being worse off than before we went. Like it would have been better to stay home and watch Netflix than, than to go to church and say something that you really didn't mean to God or, or somebody else and you don't follow through with it and God be displeased. And so we should approach God with this holy sense of awe and wonder because he is holy. He is in heaven. There's many people in the Bible who's encountered God in his holiness. And the responses that we see biblically, Isaiah 6, 
as Isaiah saw the holiness of God and he was undone and ruined before God. And you know what he says when he sees the holiness of God? This is a prophet. He says, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell among a people of unclean lips. So in the presence of holiness, the prophet Isaiah is convicted that his words were not clean. That he, 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 and his, the words of his people were not clean. He needed God to be merciful and gracious. By the way, the fear of the Lord should not lead us to retreat and cower away from God. We should actually draw near to God and actually hope in his mercy. See, the fear of the Lord uh, in Psalms connects this thought with, with hope in his mercy. Psalm 147.11, the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his mercy. Okay, the, the, uh, Psalm 33.18, behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy. And so there's this connection with fearing God and having this holy reverence and awe and fear of God and this hoping in his mercy. The fear that we have for God should not lead us to retreat and, 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 and not be this slavish fear that leads, leads us to cower away from God. The biblical, a healthy, holy fear that the Bible teaches us to have is one of awe and wonder of who God is and, and, and taking him seriously. For who he is. So, so he's holy. He's holy. Uh, Moses. You know, Moses at the burning bush. Or, or in Exodus 20, the Israelites. I love this. The Israelites. You know, Moses is going to go up and meet with God. And the Israelites, they didn't want to meet with God. They were afraid. And they, they drew away. They, they, they were like, Moses, you go. Right? And in Exodus 20, it says, do not be afraid. For God has come down to test you that the fear of him may be before you. So so there's a contrast there. Don't be afraid, but be afraid. Don't be afraid, but fear God. All right? And so our fear, our reverence in all of who God is really should lead us to take refuge in him, to hope in his mercy. Kind of like if you were in a big storm, a hurricane or a tornado, I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm captured with a sense of awe when I see powerful winds swirling or, or blowing trees. We, you know, a couple weeks ago, our neighbor had this massive tree that got just completely blown over in a storm right there. I mean, it's like, and so I'm just, I'm in awe, okay, of, of, of some of those things that I've seen in, in creation. And I'm sure you are too, when you see stuff like that. When, when we see stuff like that, there's this attraction to it, but then there's also this apprehensiveness. Like, I want to stay safe where that, that storm won't get me, but yet I, I, I want to see it. I want to see what's happening. Like, we're, you know, we peek through the windows. What's going on there? Oh, there goes our neighbor's car flying away. You know, like we, we're, we're attracted to it because there's this sense of awe that we see of like raw power and creation being manifested before us, but yet there's this apprehension, and and so um, you know I thought about this with, with my with my kids, uh, my little girl uh, Abigail, she loves dogs, she is like a dog lover. At some point, mom and dad are just gonna have to break down and get a dog. Uh, but anyways, we have a friend who has a big dog, and when she met this big dog, I forgot what what was his name. So she saw this dog and she wanted to pet him, 
She thought she wanted to pet him, but she didn't want to pet him. And so I watched her. I watched how she 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 wanted to go pet him, but he was so big. I mean, she could she perceived that that dog could do some damage if he wanted to. He was a, thankfully he was a friendly dog with good intent. And so she wanted to pet him, but no, she didn't want to pet him. So she goes around, you know, the the van, you know. And so there's this this sense of like respect for the the power and the strength that this dog has. Uh, but yet there's this there's also this attraction. I, w- I want to pat him. You know, those of you who've read um, or seen the movie The Lion, the Witch, and the the Wardrobe, um, Aslan. You know, just the the, the lion and the, the depiction of God being like like a lion. If, if you've ever been to a zoo, you know, and you you went to go see the lions, and you hear the roar, and like you're 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 thinking, man, I I, I know I'm, I'm 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 thinking at least I I hope they can't get out of there. I have, uh, if, if there was a fence this high, I would have dread. I would have the kind of fear that I would not draw near to see the lions if the, if the fence was this high, okay? But with this big glass and huge fence and that, that seems to be safe, I, I, I'm, I, I go near to see the lions and I want to see them, but I still have this reverence and awe. That that lion has some massive power, and if by any chance he was to get out, he could do some major damage. And and that's the kind of healthy fear and awe that we should have before God. Our God is a consuming fire. You don't play with fire the wrong way, or it'll burn you. All right, we should take God seriously. Okay, Old and New Testament, God, we're taught to take God seriously. There were some guys. Uh, some, some, the sons of uh, Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, who weren't taking God seriously. And they thought, well, they can just worship God any old way that they want. In Leviticus chapter 10, those guys were killed on the spot because of their unclean offering before God. You say, well, man, that's harsh. That's Old Testament. Come on, Pastor Keith. Ananias and Sapphira to a couple. They, they had an offering to bring to the church. And they were, they were not being upfront or being real about what that was. And, and they were trying to look more spiritual than they really were. And there was some hypocrisy there. And they fell down dead. That's New Testament. And so we see this in the Old and New Testament. And, and, and I'll get to, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved." So there, there should be this sense of uh, grace teaching us to fear God in, in a holy, healthy way. But then also, there, there is a resolve. There is a, a place of refuge. There is a place where, where our, our fears can be relieved in a, in a good sense. So we should fear God because he is holy. We should count him as holy, approach him as holy, worship him as holy. And then at the very end of Ecclesiastes, okay? So Ecclesiastes goes through Solomon's like, I've done all these things. It's all vanity, life under the sun. He does command enjoying your life, okay, enjoying what God has given you, accepting your lot in life, accepting the season of life that you're in, and recognizing the, the sovereignty and authority of God, and, and, and He's in charge and you're not. There's a lot of things that are out of our control, and we can enjoy life a lot better if we can accept those things that we can't change. God, God doesn't change, okay, and there are certain things that, that we're not going to change, in this life, that is the way that they are. And, and so at the very end of Ecclesiastes, Solomon gives this, this exhortation. 
So he, he's, he told about a lot of things that was vanity, referred to a lot of things as hevel, meaningless, vanity. But this, he commends the reader to this. And this is Old Testament and New Testament that commends this. The end of the matter has all been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So there's, there's, the, there's the conclusion. So he, he gives this big overview of life and the vanity and all these activities and accumulating wealth and having big families and all these things that we could do in life. But he comes to this conclusion, fear God and keep his commandments. This is wise counsel. Wisdom teaches us to fear God. And so we should fear God because he's just. There will be a day of reckoning, a, a day that we're going to give an account to the holy king of the universe for everything that we've ever done. And so it says, God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. As I said earlier, that the fear of the Lord is living our life with awareness that God is in every place and he sees everything. Okay, nothing gets by him. I have an older friend who, uh, on his TV, uh, he wrote the words, God is watching, okay, above his TV. And it was it was accountability check for him, that as he was surfing through dish television checking out what's what's on on the tv there's this reminder right above the tv god is watching to motivate him with a holy sense of fear that god sees what you're clicking on and what you're letting come in that you'll give an account for that uh and and i've shared this before i texted a friend of mine that young man that i was mentoring and i just sent these words god sees you okay and it was meant to be a positive encouragement. But after I sent it, I thought, well, that, that could be taking that. He can take that negatively or positively based on what he's doing and, and the condition of his, his heart and his mind right now. God sees you. You know, if you're fearing God and you're serving God and you're loving God and you're walking with God and being faithful to God, that should really encourage you. That statement, God sees you. God sees you in the secret place, as Jesus said, Matthew 6. He sees your prayers, your fasting, your giving, your devotion, your faithfulness to him. God sees you. But then if if you're compromising and you're doing things you know you shouldn't do, that phrase, God sees you, should scare you. You should be scared. I would be scared. If I was living in a moral life, a crooked life, being deceitful, crooked, whatever, and just thinking, if I was doing that, I would be afraid. I would, I would be a fearful guy because I fear God. I fear his fatherly discipline. As his son, I fear his fatherly discipline. Daddy God knows how to give spankings. And he will give spankings to his children. All right? Because he loves us. And so I fear that. I, I fear him. And so we should have this in a very healthy sense. Now, some, some of us might say, well, doesn't the Bible say, well, perfect love cast out fear? You know, 1 John 4 or Romans 8, that, that, that you've not been given, given a spirit of bondage. Again, the fear. And, and, and so that's where I would say, yes, yes, there is an unhealthy way to fear God. Yes, there is an unhealthy way where we, where we shrink back in slavish fear from God. But, but the Bible commends this healthy view of, of fearing him. Um, so... So here's a couple things about the fear of the Lord. Those who fear God bring pleasure to God. Those who fear God are pitied by God. They're accepted by God. They receive mercy from God. They're blessed. 
And they depart from evil. Proverbs 16, 6 says that by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. The fear of the Lord is a healthy restraint from doing evil. Right? It's a legitimate healthy restraint from doing evil. So Proverbs is loaded with it. Here's a few verses in Proverbs 15:33. The fear of the Lord is the instruction in wisdom and humility comes before honor. The message puts it like this. Fear of God is a school in skilled living. First, living first, you learn humility, then you experience glory. Fear of God is a school in skilled living. First, you learn humility, and then you experience glory. Proverbs 9:10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of, of of the Holy One and his insight. Proverbs fourteen twenty six through 27. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Proverbs nineteen twenty three. The fear of the Lord leads to life and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited with harm. Proverbs ten twenty seven. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be cut short. Proverbs 6, 16.6, by steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. By the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. There are great benefits to fearing God. Okay? And the fear of God is the description of a life that lives holy, worshiping God. Fully and holy living God. Worshiping God. Of The fear of the Lord is a description of a life that worships God. New Testament, Jesus said, don't fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29, in regards to our worship and, and how we should worship God. Therefore, let us be grateful receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's security, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer, God, offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. That's New Testament. For those of us who want to push back on the idea of the fear of the Lord in the New Testament. Uh, here, here's some more. Second Corinthians 5.11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others, Paul said. First Peter 2.17 is explicit. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Uh, Acts 5.11. Great fear came upon the whole church. And upon all who heard of these things. That was when Ananias and Sapphira got killed. So the whole church feared God in a healthy sense. Because they saw some, some guys playing games with God. Not taking God seriously. God killed them. And so they feared in a healthy sense. Revelation. He said with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory. Because the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth and the sea and the springs of water. And so on. So how can we cultivate the fear of the Lord? We see from, from Old Testament and New Testament, we see examples of those who feared God and were commended to fear God. And I, and I hope that you're convinced of that this morning. Why don't people live with a healthy sense of reverence? Just think about it for a minute. And if you know, if you've got an answer, why, why don't people feel, fear God? They don't see His goodness. They don't know him. That's exactly right. So, and that, that would include goodness and severity. Another verse in Romans 11, New Testament, Paul says, Behold the goodness and the severity of God. Don't be presumptuous. Don't be haughty. But fear, Paul says, Romans 11. I know we, we may not like those verses. and They, they may be dis, uncomfortable for us. 
But we need to let those truths sink in. The goodness and the severity of God, right? And, and both are necessary, yes. Just lack of respect, general, and culture. Yeah, yeah, very, yes. That's good. Um, another way, as I said, it, I, I think people just don't take God seriously. They don't take his word seriously. They don't attribute the proper weight to him that he deserves in his words, in his presence. Um, they don't know him. They just don't know him. They, they just, people don't, who don't fear God just don't know God. They, don't have a, they haven't seen him. They haven't experienced him. They haven't been captured with a sense of awe in who he is. And then they don't, um, they don't have a right estimation because they, don't, they haven't seen him, because they don't know him. They don't have a right estimation of who he is. So what are some ways that you and I can cultivate the fear of God? One of the ways is to read scripture, study and meditate on the scripture and let the scripture shape your view of who God is. If you read the Bible and study the Bible, you will learn to fear God. If you take the Bible how it's meant to be taken, you will fear God in a healthy sense. Um, observe the beauty and wonder of God in creation, considering the greatness of the one who made all of this. Look at beautiful mountains. I remember uh, seeing the Blue Ridge Mountains when my wife and I were on our honeymoon and just be taken back in awe by how big those mountains were. And I felt really small, okay, looking at how big those mountains were and, and just beautiful sky, beautiful mountains. I'm just, I'm in awe and I'm taken back because I see how God, God made all this, and this is just one small part of his creation, and it's so massive. These mountains are so massive. You look at an ocean and huge waves and the power of, of waves and water, uh, and, and, and we're, we're taken back by the things in creation. Observe those things. You know, when I, when I watch my, my three children be born and delivered, Watch my wife deliver my children. I'm in awe of the beauty and the wonder of God's creation, the one who made human life. And then another thing is listen and heed the wisdom and instruction from others who fear God. Walk with other people who fear God. If you want to grow in the fear of the Lord, be friends with people who really fear God. Don't hang out with people who don't fear God because that, their, their posture towards God will, will affect you. It'll rub off on you. So live with, walk with people who fear God. And then lastly, seek, seek God in prayer. Seek God in prayer. Proverbs 2, 2, 1 through 5. This is a great passage that I would encourage you with if you want to cultivate the fear of the Lord. And this is what it says. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commands within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of God. Okay, that, that's the encouragement there. If you want to understand the fear of the Lord. And here's some application questions. Is your view of God big enough? Do you live with an awareness that God is watching? Are you studying scripture to inform and inspire your awe of God? And do you let the wonder and the beauty of, of creation captivate you with a sense of awe in your creator?
And now, actually, I want to I close in a different way today. I'd like to just open up the floor for any questions that you have about this, about the fear of the Lord. Do you have any questions about the fear of God or God and having a healthy fear of God that you'd like to talk about or me to? Gabby. Give us some more ideas on how to teach our children about the fear of the Lord. Yeah, very good. Yeah, how, how do we teach our kids to fear God? Exactly. That's the very first thing. I encourage, I encourage giving spankings. When, when, our children, when our children do things, when our children do things that are unacceptable, having, having discipline, I mean, and that's obvious, you know that. You guys practice that in a healthy sense. You know, disciplining them, letting them have a healthy reverence where they take mom and dad seriously. If they don't learn, if children don't learn to take mom and dad seriously, they're probably going to have a hard time taking God seriously. And so when mom and dad say, you're going to get a consequence for this son or daughter, then we need to follow through with it and, and give appropriate consequences. Okay. And, you know, another thing I think pointing out, I think letting them see and explore and experience creation and pointing them to the creator through the things that they see, like my son mentioned this, this mountain, the snow mountain, you know, or, and when, when we see a beautiful sunset or we see tornadoes or we see w- whatever that is that captures them with awe, try to point them to the one who made that so that they associate that awe with the fear of God. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, it's the beginning of wisdom, and so we want them to be captured with a sense of awe by the Creator. Stand in awe of Him. God made this. And so I think those are some ways. I think also just teaching them Scripture, telling them stories in the Bible, like some of the ones that are, like I mentioned, Ananias and Sapphira. God killed those two guys because they told a lie. You can tell that to your children. That might help them stop lying if they're struggling with lying. God killed these two guys for lying. Don't do it. Right? That'll, that'll help a fear of the Lord. Be cultivated. Um, yes, Kevin. How, how do we balance the idea of the fear of the Lord and grace? That's good. Great question. How do we balance the idea of the fear of the Lord and grace? And I tried to wrestle with that. I don't feel like I did the best job articulating and, and, and resolving that here. Um, but one, first of all, I think it's, it's okay that we don't so quickly resolve that fear when we talk about the fear of the Lord. I think we're so quick to go straight to the gospel and the solution that we don't let people tremble in a healthy sense. We're told in Philippians, work out your own salvation with not flippancy, not lightheartedness, not, not ease, with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. I think that verse captures the idea of the fear of the Lord and grace right there. Philippians 2 12 and 13, fear and grace. It's God who works in you to will and to do his good pleasure. That's grace. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's the fear of the Lord. Um, so I think, uh, and again, you know, John Newton, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved." I think both, both, are, both are compatible and both are biblical. And what happens when people get an error, when Christians get an error, they, they throw it. Oftentimes they'll, they'll, they'll cling to a truth of Scripture at the expense of another. So whether it's grace or whether it's the fear of the Lord, and they just go completely on one side or the other, and then they're, they're way out of whack. They're way unbiblical. And so there are things in the Bible that we have to hold in tension with one another. 
It's a great question. Anybody else? Okay, well, let's pray. I'm just going to say a short prayer, and if, if you'd like, I'm going to bow, uh, and if you're able to and you'd like to do so as well, I think there's something about bowing before God that expresses reverence for who he is. And so if you want to join me, you're welcome to do that. And so let's pray. Father, we come before you, the creator, the one who created all this and sustains it all by the word of your power. And you are a holy God. And we need you to capture us with a fresh sense of awe and wonder. Many of us have been so captivated with entertainment and uh, just the busyness of life. And, and some of us have, have lost the sense of awe and wonder of who you are. And I pray that you would recapture that for us. You'd captivate our hearts and our minds. That we would get a glimpse of who you are. Show us your glory And let the weight of who you are be felt and experienced here today in our lives. And I pray that that would ignite our secret time with you. Our quiet times. That that we would have quiet times. And that we would have meaningful, good quality times in silence before you. Listening to your voice. Reading your word. And letting our hearts be captivated with awe. God, would you deconstruct our views of you that are unbiblical where we don't see you as big enough? We, we have taken a, a view of you that's been shaped by culture or been shaped by our experience or we've created our own image of who we think you are. God, would you deconstruct those? And I pray that we would see you rightly and that we would respond and worship correctly as well. That we would have boldness in approaching you, but that we would also have reverence and awe and bowing before you. And may this influence our lives, God. Influence our decisions. Influence uh, the things that we say and the things that we think about and the things that we watch and listen to and the way that we spend our money, the way that we spend our time, the way that we relate to others, God, that we would live our lives in a healthy sense of the fear of the Lord and that our souls would be satisfied in you, that we would enjoy you and enjoy the gifts that you've given us, but then we would also fear you and worship you and stand in awe of who you are.